0: Thank you, Tricia and uh, Chris. Um, right, okay, so I had a slightly unusual experience for me this this week. I went to the doctors. And um, what do you think the doctor what do you think the doctor's first uh, question was when I walked into her, she was a she, her surgery this week. Okay, your hand was up first, so we'll let this guy answer. Are you claiming to be that young? <laughs> Thank you, Darren. Let's have a more sensible answer from somebody else. Sorry? What can I do for you? Yeah, she said something like, I can't remember exactly the word, but it was something like that. Why, what's the problem? Why are you here? How can I help? And, um, and I then proceeded to tell her. You know, I said, well, actually, I've got a problem which I've had now for a couple of years with this shoulder. Can't stretch with this arm without having pain. And she said, uh, okay, and she started to write down. I said, actually, and there's something else. I said, I've got problems with this hip, uh, and it's given me a bit of jip bit of at times. She said, okay. So I said, and there's one more thing. I said, I've got problems down the lower leg here uh, with possibly varicose veins, and that's also causing me a problem. She said, okay, so let's, let's start then, shall we? And uh, she was a little surprised, I think, that I'd come with three ailments, having uh, not been a regular visitor. I guess if I said to her, if if in response to a question about what's up, how can I help, whatever else, if I said, actually, you know, I'm fine, uh, she might have then said, well, why have you come? And I'd say, well, I just thought it's been so long since I saw you. I thought I should come and just see if you're all right and see how, you know, just have a chat. I don't think she'd have been very impressed with that. I think she'd have soon said, actually, um, I think we'll just call this quit, shall we, and let's let's ask the next patient to... uh, to come on in, you see, we go we go to the doctors because we have a we have a need, we have something that is wrong, and we also think, believe that they can do something to help us. If it wasn't if that wasn't those two things weren't true, I don't think we'd go to the doctors. And Jesus today mentions health and sickness and doctors uh, in 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 what he said. Jesus made reference to those in the answer to a question that he was asked by the Pharisees. The Pharisees, as we know, are the religious leaders of the day. Thank you. I do need it already. She knows me too well. My nerves cause my um, mouth quickly to to dry up. Probably a good thing, actually. (laughs) Sometimes. Um, So the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, asked Jesus... Asked, asked Jesus' disciples that quest- a question. They said, "Why is it? Why is it that you and your rabbi Jesus, why are you eating with those tax collectors? Why are you doing that? And I think that's, that was a, a legitimate question. Sometimes they tried to ask him trick questions, we know, to trap him, didn't they? But this was a legitimate question. A fair question, from their perspective anyway. And I think, uh, so for instance, if, 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 you, were, if you were in Glouc- coming out of Gloucester City Centre, town centre, uh, fairly late one evening, and you happened to see Phil entering what you regarded to be a, a dubious establishment, i let you mind wonder as to what a dubious establishment might be in Gloucester City Centre. But if you saw him going in there, I think it would be a very fair question (laughs) to come to Phil and say, um, why? (laughs) Why why are you going in there, Phil? That would be a very fair question. And it's a bit like this for the Pharisees, wasn't it? They could not understand why Jesus was doing something that they actually regarded as the very opposite thing that you should do according to their interpretation of God's laws, the the Mosaic law, the, the law of Moses, the law that Moses brought down. You see, these people, the tax collectors, no one likes paying taxes no one, therefore, perhaps likes tax collectors. I'm told, I was told by a tax collector that he, he never worked for the Inspector of Taxes. Whenever he was at a party and anybody asked him what he did, he didn't say he was a tax inspector. Because generally that was a killer for the conversation. He used to say, well, I work for the government. And he'd leave it at that, you know, and that, that was probably bad enough. But no one likes tax collectors. But in these days, in Jesus' day, we know tax collectors were not liked not just because they collected taxes and, and not just because those taxes, of course, were, in, 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 were directly or indirectly going to support the Roman government who were occupying Israel, but also because the people who were collecting the taxes were cheats. They, they were classified in the Talmud, the Jewish, the Jewish books, as robbers because they did rob you. <laughs> they didn't just collect the taxes that were due even if you you might not have wanted to pay those, they collected whatever they could. They took their slice. And so these tax collectors were wealthy people. But in doing so, they'd put themselves, as it were, entirely outside of God's covenant people. They'd They'd chosen to put themselves on the outside. They didn't follow God's ways. They were, using the expression that Darren used last week, and we'll touch on this now, unclean, unclean. Do you remember last week, Darren, very helpfully, we looked at the passage before this in Luke's Gospel, where Jesus met and, and, and interacted, engaged with two specific people. The first was a leper. This was a man who had a skin disease, and a skin disease that made him, according to the Mosaic law, unclean. Unclean meant that you could not connect with other people. You were on the edge. You were put on the outside. He couldn't even associate with his own family. Because if you, if you were with this person, if you were even a few feet of this person, not less even more so if you touched this person, you yourself would become unclean. And if you were unclean, it was as if you were outside of God's, of God's community. And then there was the paralyzed man as well where Jesus said, you know, the friends brought him to be healed, and Jesus' first words to him was, your sins are forgiven. And then later on he said, get up and walk. And Darren was explaining to us, wasn't he, that this picture of unclean that came from the Old Testament was a picture of what we are like. All of us, every single one of us, without any exception, we are all unclean in that sense. Not that we haven't had a shower this morning, I trust you have trust you, you know, you've combed your hair and all the rest of it and your hygiene is good. Don't mean that at all. What we're talking about is being unclean in God's sight. And because we're unclean, we cannot, we cannot have any association with a pure and perfect holy God. They can no more mix than light and darkness can mix. You cannot have the two. They cannot coexist we are unclean the bible says that every one of us has sinned every one of us has fallen short of the glory of god and the thing is just like that leper who came to jesus last week there is not a single thing that we can do about it ourselves we cannot make ourselves clean we cannot make ourselves right with god it is impossible you can't do it these Pharisees thought they could. We, we know we can't. At times, like the Pharisees, we try and put on a good show. <laughs> we, we obviously, particularly on Sunday mornings when we're at church, you know, we want people to see us in a good light and, 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 and whatever. The truth is when the pressure's on, when something happens, when we get squeezed, things come out that we don't wish to come out. The things that we say, the things that we feel, the things that we do, Show, tell each and every one of us that actually within our hearts we are not right. Who are the healthy and who are the sick? Well, the Pharisees thought they were healthy. They thought that because they practiced all these religious disciplines and they did, that they were godly. That they didn't need they didn 't need god 's mercy they didn't need to be put right with God they thought they were right with God already. they were not sick and they didn't need a doctor. So when they asked the question of jesus 's disciples, they asked the question why is why is, why are you why is Jesus?" Why is he in there with those tax collectors and all those other people who've put themselves outside of God's covenant, who who really have decided that they don't want anything to do with living God's way? Why on earth is he with them? Why isn't he out here with us? And Jesus' answer to them is, because you think you're healthy. And these people, or some of these people, realize they're sick. And do you know what? I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor on call. I'm a doctor on service. And do you know where doctors are? Doctors are on the wards with sick people. Doctors, or well, they should be. Doctors are visiting sick people. or well, they should be. He said, I'm with them because they're sick and I'm a doctor. I'm not with you because you don't think you need a doctor. I'm on the hospital ward. I'm not at the health club. I'm not sitting around at the spa. I'm not with those people who are sunning themselves on the beach. I'm with those who recognize they've got a serious problem. And what's more, I'm the one who can do something about their problem. I'm the only one who can do something about their problem. Because I'm the one who is calling sinners to repentance. That's what Jesus says. He says that's why he came. That's why he came. People think about Jesus in lots of different ways. Good teacher, whatever else. Primarily, Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. Repentance. Then and now. Now. Today. If Jesus was physically here amongst us this morning, he would be calling sinners to repentance. Because there is no other way to get right with God. You cannot follow religious practices. You cannot think and make yourself the best person around and think somehow that puts you right with God. It doesn't. It cuts nothing at all. It's a waste of time in that sense because the only way people get right with God, the only way people can can enter into that right relationship with Him that can be the people that God always intended them to be, made them to be, is if actually they repent. And repentance and conversion and salvation, these are all connected things. Repentance means quite simply this. Repentance means that we recognize that we have got a problem. Big problem. A problem that we cannot do anything about ourselves. And the problem is this. Is that within us, within our natures, within our characters, we are not clean. We are not holy people. We are not good people. We can sometimes think we're good, we can sometimes think of the little things that we do that that in a sense are good, and we think we're good people. We're not. We kid ourselves. The truth is not in us. The truth is that we're not good people, not in God's sense of good. And yet he wants somehow to have a relationship with us. And so we need to recognize that we're not good, that we are sinful people. And then we need to be sorry about that. We need to realize that that's not what God made us for. We need to be truly sorry. Sometimes kids are sorry and then they go and t- two minutes later they're doing exactly the same thing because they're not really sorry. <laughs> they're just sorry they've got caught or whatever it is. And we all like that as adults. We just disguise it a bit better, don't we? But we need to be truly sorry. And then we need to say, actually, I'm willing to forsake all of this. I'm willing to let it all go. I'm willing to let the past go, I'm willing to let my old way of life go, and I'm no longer going to walk that way, I'm now going to walk, and this is important for us as Christians, I'm now going to walk God's way. It isn't just about saying sorry, and saying I don't want to do that anymore, it's saying I'm now going to walk and live God's way as he intended in me to live. I'm now going to do the things that he said that we're to do. Jesus taught his disciples to teach them to obey all the things that I've taught you. That's what a Christian is. There's no difference between a Christian and a disciple. A Christian is a disciple who walks and lives God's way. Right? That's what it is. That's who. That's what he wants. And Jesus can do that. He can enable us to do that. But we've also got to be willing to respond. And we and this very quickly we're not going to do with this. But in the incident of Levi, who then begets called Matthew later on and writes the book Matthew in the New Testament. Levi, we see it pictured in him, don't we, in his life. Here he is, tax collector. I'm sure that when Jesus walked up to him and said, Follow me, Levi, I have no doubt that's not the first time Levi and Jesus have met. I'm sure, just like with the other disciples, Levi knows about Jesus. He's heard his teaching. He knows what's going on. He's seen some of the things. And so when Jesus comes up to him and says, Levi, leave this. Leave it. Come and follow me. That is like a picture of repentance of salvation, isn't it? Levi, leave the stuff that. Leave your life. Leave it. I don't suppose Levi ever expected to be asked by Jesus to come and follow him. He would have been absolutely shocked. Me? Me? (laughs) I'm a tax collector. Do you know what I've done? Do you know the sort of life I've lived? Do you know what I'm like? And Jesus says, "It <laughs> didn't say it, but I'm sure he knows it. Yeah, I know exactly what you're like, Levi. And I want you to leave that. I want you to be sorry for that life. And I want you to come and follow me. And that's a picture of repentance. Leaving, turning away from what is wrong, and now turning to Christ and living the way that he wants us to live. Jesus says, I'm calling sinners to repentance. And Matthew got up and he left totally left, could not go back to it I don't suppose they'd ever employed him again he gets up and he leaves his employment for Herod, for the Roman occupying force or whatever else and he follows Jesus and uh, the question is have we? that's the question the real question isn't it for us is have we? have we done that? And that is the, the, that is the most important question. The answer to that question is the most important thing in your and my whole life. There is nothing more important than that. Because the answer to that question and the actions that follow that question determine not just what happens in the here and now in this life, but it determines, according to God's Word, according to what Jesus taught, it determines how we will live forever. And I shout the word forever because it's a jolly big word, isn't it? It will determine everything. There is no more important thing than to be able to answer that question and to say yes, Like Matthew, I have repented and I'm willing to leave that way of life and I'm now willing to walk your way because I recognize that's the only way that I can be in a right relationship with you. Time for each of us to be like Matthew. And it's an ongoing thing. These things... Matthew then then became the one, became that disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have we? Have I? It isn't based on my good works. It's based simply on recognizing that actually that way of life is not as God intended it to be. And as my Creator, and as my Saviour, and as my Lord, I should be, Turn away from that. And I should be willing to live as he lived, as he intends me to live. Matthew was there when the risen Jesus Christ said, and he wrote it down, Matthew 28. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And if we've repented, if we've done what Jesus came to do, and if we've done what Matthew did, if we've repented and turned away from our life and turned to follow Christ and live according to his ways, then that commission is for each and every one of us. Because we have now joined the medical team, right? We're no longer the patients. We're now on the medical team. And we are called to pass on that same message of Jesus Christ to everyone else because it's the only way they can know what God ever intended them to be is if they're called to repentance and they also are willing to respond to that. I trust that's true. I trust that, I want that to be true for every one of us in this room this morning. Every one of us, without exception. Because it is the the best thing in life. It is the most wonderful thing in life. And it's not just for this life. It's for all eternity.